Hi, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. I'm really glad you're here for today's first episode with a guest. It's a pretty exciting milestone in my life, although I'm sure you're busy with your job and your crappy career, but I couldn't be more pleased to talk to Scott Stratton today. I don't know if you know him. You could find him anywhere on the internet under the moniker Unmarketing, but Scott and his wife, Allison, are on a mission to get rid of mediocrity in marketing. And it's interesting. It's it's an interesting mission, but you know, I don't really care about that. I wanted to talk to Scott because he really hated work. It was broken for him. And his solution was to burn it all down and build it back up. So in today's conversation, we talk about Scott's origin story. He offers advice on how you can burn it down and build it all back up again. And then finally, we just talk about work and life and being decent human beings. And I think it's a pretty good conversation. What I think is also very interesting is that Scott was so willing to be part of my origin story, my reinvention on this platform, and we had never met in real life. We've known of one another for over a decade, but we have never had a conversation until today. And I think you'll see that uh, prove out at some point, but (laughs) I hope you enjoy this. And I'm really looking forward to your feedback, and I'll be back at the end to wrap things up. Work is broken. So is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is breaking things down so you can put them back together and make work something you can enjoy. Let's fix work together. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, everybody. I'd like to welcome Scott Stratton to the Let's Fix Work podcast. Hello, Scott. How are you? I am fantastic. And the only the only caveat for this whole interview is I just don't work. So oh, it's going to be a weird, weird thing for people, but uh, I'm highly unemployable. That's all right. That makes two of us. Kindred, <laughs> kindred spirits. That's right. So I have a history in my life of burning things down and building it back up. And I feel like your origin story is similar to mine. So some people hate work like I do and dream of burning it all down and building it back up. And I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to be. Sure. Um, For me, it's been, uh, you know, barely made it out of high school and barely made it out of college, but I I could speak in front of a room. So that got me through it. I could, I could wing it with the best of them. And I never got nervous, uh, which is not a skill. It's just a missing synapse in my brain that, you know, says, you know, crap your pants (laughs) when you get up there. But I used it to my advantage. And uh, so I, early on, I knew two things. Uh, When I was 12 years old, I wanted to be a speaker, which is rare for a 12-year-old to want to be able to be a speaker on stage. And I just saw Les Brown on TV, and I'm like, I want to do that. You know, you can go to yell at people and then go home. How do I do that? And I realized part of that was going to be training. You know, training is the paid side of that type of stuff, and you could talk to people. So I knew I wanted to do that, but I also knew that training was under HR usually. And so I also knew I loved at the, at the time people and, uh, uh, and sticking up for what's right, you know, human rights or employment standards and all that stuff. That really meant a lot to me for, for my 16th birthday for Christmas. I asked for a, a, a textbook on the employment standards act in Canada and, uh, yeah. Right. right. I got issues. pretty nerdy, right. Yeah. Very nerdy. Yeah, I was, right. and I was, so I went to college. I went to Sheridan college, which is down the street from me now. And, uh, for human resources. And, you know, I was late to class, um, but I would stay after class and talk to the professor about 
issues in, 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 in HR. And they're just like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> and, uh, and so I went into the, the, the field. I graduated from Sheridan with HR. I was at Goodwill Toronto's head office. Um, I was an HR generalist. And uh, I had to get out of it because I, I realized I didn't like it at all. And I, I realized that HR, at least where I was, uh, wasn't about the people. It was about management and what they wanted. And Did you ever feel as if there were an opportunity where you could have stepped in and made HR more employee focused? Was 100%. there any opportunity at all for you? No, no. I, I wanted. I, I said I could make this better, and it was just nope. You will do what you're told. You know, I I, I remember we we uh, we caught an employee stealing from the cash register at one of our stores, and uh, you're stealing from Goodwill. Yeah. Like, you know, you're going straight yeah. to hell for this. And Or or you're super hard up and sad. Right, right. right. Either way, it's a problem. Yeah. And so the manager called me and we, we split half the stores in Ontario. So I was half them and my, my colleague was the other half. And this was my store. She said, what do I do? I said, well, we're going to terminate her. And, you know, it's zero tolerance. It's and, but what people don't realize is Goodwill here was unionized. It's the Teamsters Union. So we had to go to arbitration. And I went and drove to a, you know, three hours away and did arbitration in some Ramada Inn somewhere. And the whole day we were in it. My boss was there and I was there. And I'm totally, I had, I had witnesses. I had the cash registers tape. I had everything. And at the end of the day, the lawyer for the Teamsters came up to us and said, all right, 5,000. And she walks. I'm like, if she pays us 5,000, doesn't, doesn't even cover our legal fees. And he looks at me and goes, no, you moron. You pay her 5000 she'll drop the grievance, and she'll quit. And I'm like, not on your life. And my boss said, do it. Yeah. And I turned to her. I said, what are you talking about? She says, do you want to go to our president of a nonprofit and tell why we had to spend an extra $20,000 in legal fees and you could have settled it for 5000 And I'm like, it's the principal. She looks at me and goes, there's no such thing. Wow. That and is depressing. And that's when I knew I couldn't do what I want to do. And that's, I wasn't in there to be a yes man. I was there to affect change and make people want to work there even more. Uh, and that just wasn't going to happen. So I went and looked for openings and I knew I had to leave by that point. And uh, I lasted two years and then I looked for a training job and I got the job as a national sales training manager for a packaging company. I, I flew around North America training people how to sell bubble wrap. Like, if you think what you sell is hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an HR blogger. I know what I sell is hard, but bubble wrap is harder. So how do you sell bubble wrap? I like, sold air. Tips? Yeah, I, so I ran two-day trading schools on this crap. Like, it, I was 16 hours of content. Wow. Like, if you think you can fill time, you got nothing on me. And so I did that for two years. And then um, uh, Owen, who's now 16, uh, was about to be born. And I went to the president who called me Chris. I don't know why. And... I sat down, I said, I'm not gonna do this job. Um, I'm not gonna fly around all the time over weekends to save the company money and all this, and then come into work 40 hours a week. I'm a trainer, there's only so much I can do in the office. And, and I'll keep doing this. We just won an award for the industry, like it was going great. And he says, and I said, my son's being born next week and I am not gonna be doing this. And he said, I don't think we're ready for the telecommuting stuff, Scott. So wow. Chris, he called me Chris, I think yeah, at the time. And then, yeah. And I said, okay, well, I'm done. All and right. I quit. And I had 64 cents in the bank, and uh, which is not, is not an advisable cushion level yeah. for that. Wait, um, can I ask a clarifying question? Yeah. 64 cents in the bank and your son's about to be born. Yes. 
Okay. All right. So then what happens? Because you just burned it all down, right? Oh, yeah. So I, I burned it. I, so I had four months of parental leave that we have here in Canada. And then that was it. And I just, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I, uh, I wasn't going to be the absentee father bringing home the bacon, but on the road. And I didn't want yeah. to. And, uh, and Owen was born. And then, uh, so when he was born, I was building up, I was already starting to get a roster of training clients. So I would, I would be the training company. And oh, was that the dream? You were going to be the trainer? Yeah, I was going to have my own training company yeah. and, it, and it was going to be HR training. It was going to be diversity wow. training and all this stuff. And I knew there was a need for it. And then uh, 9-11 hit and I lost the three training clients that uh, I had already started and, and much more, obviously so much more minimal than obviously what happened, but everybody was affected by it. And so it was just like, okay, you're starting again, again. And uh, so I just started thinking, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I, I, I made some viral stuff online. It blew up, which made me into an immediate keynote speaker because of these motivational videos I made. They were slideshows. They're terrible but they worked at the time. and um, Yeah, and what year is this? Because oh, the internet was horrible back then. Oh, God, yeah. This is yeah. Uh, 2002, yeah, 2003. Right. Like, it was, it was Flash-based, and not all browsers <laughs> even had Flash installed, and they had a preloading screen with yes. a circle going around. But it got day. big in the HR circles. So I started, I, got, I started getting phone calls. I got one from Disney Swan and Dolphin Resort that said, we don't know who you are, but my boss says you have to come speak to us. So just send us an invoice. All right. Oh, okay. The business is born. Yeah, so it blew up and I started making the videos for other people and other speakers. And then I ended up making one for Les Brown, who I saw on stage. And then I ended up speaking at his event. Can you tell our audience who Les Brown is and what he means to you? So Les Brown is one of the top uh, motivational speakers out there. He's like the godfather of motivational speaking. And although I'm not a motivational speaker per se, he's the one of the, the, the epitome of speaking. This passion on stage, his drive on stage is just something that... I've always admired and it went from me watching him on TV when I was 12 to standing on stage with him at his event, you know, way down the road. And at the time when I was graduating, I was part of the HR association here in Ontario. And so we, I was on the committee to book speakers. So I saw the other side of the table of the industry and I was the speaker chaperone and stuff. And then fast forward six years ago, I'm the keynote of that event. Amazing. It's 5,000 HR people in the audience. Yeah. And it was just like, what? You know, it was so full cool. circle. Yeah. yeah. And so now you get to where I am now, which is um, I ran the agency for seven, eight years of viral videos. Then the recession hit. Nobody was in the market for overpriced, glorified slideshows anymore. And uh, I, I, I had zero business. And I just said, what is this Twitter thing? What's this Twitter thing? Let me try this. Let's see how it goes. And because I've always been about community. And and, and online community and what that can do. And uh, so I just started going nuts on Twitter. In January 2009, I tweeted 7,000 times in the month. And uh, I went from 1,000 followers to 10,000 followers and realized there's something here. And like anything in business, it's all a combination of luck, timing, and skill. That's right. And uh, I blew up. And I always knew if you want to make enough noise, people will come to you. And uh, I'm good at making noise. And the publisher, Wiley, approached and said, why haven't you written a book yet? And I said, why haven't you offered me a book deal yet? And they said, touche. And I started writing on marketing. And it was a train wreck of 40,000 terrible words. And Allison came along, who I met on Twitter. And we were talking at the time on BlackBerry Messenger on BBM. And uh, I said, I'm screwed. This book's due in a week. And I got, it's terrible. And she says, let me have a look. And little do I know, she's a phenomenal writer. 
and uh, she turned it into 60,000 beautiful words. And uh, I went on, I, I sent a tweet in January of 2010 to my followers and said, the book's coming out in September. Who wants me to come to their city on the unbooked tour? Pre-order a hundred books, fly me there and put me up and I'll do it. And I'll, it was a speaking tour, not a book tour. Uh-huh. Um, so all these social media clubs did it and American marketing associations did it. And the reason why you had to fly me there and put me up is I had no money. Yeah, I, I see this theme still. Yeah. yeah all right. I, I was, I just, I was dumb and yeah. I didn't, I didn't save, I didn't market, I didn't do anything. And like I had a nothing. And then I literally haven't after, so 30 cities signed up for it. One tweet, okay. One 30, tweet 30 cities. cities. Uh, half of those cities, the people that put their hand up had never run an event in their life. Wow. But they wanted to support the book and me. And honestly, no exaggeration, I haven't stopped speaking since then. So I've done 380 keynotes since then. Amazing. It's all I do now for a living. I stopped consulting six, seven years ago. I burned that down because I hate it. Yeah. I, I hate I, I, Tell me what you hate about consulting because I have killed my consulting business mostly because I can't stand to be around mediocre people and I want more control over my day. So how about you? Yeah, that's there you go. I, I yeah. was tired of helping other people's businesses and them not doing anything with it. Yeah, they don't deserve it. No, and I, and I you know, back in the, those viral video days and so when I was doing consulting then, we, we made one company three and a half million dollars in a week over and above what they were making. So we increased the revenue, which is, was the same as their annual revenue. Oh my God. And we got on a call the next week. So I was doing business consulting with them. And part of that was a weekly check-in call. And after that happens, they get on the call and they're like, great, what's next? I'm like, you should be sending me a check. Yeah. For the next 10 years and never talk to me. Yeah. I just, and it was that, it was the home run every week. Uh, it was exhausting. And uh, I just didn't, I didn't like it. I like it now because I'm on stage and they can't talk back to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every I just, keynoter's secret fantasy. That's that right. is it. Yeah, it's a perfect is. life. I can yeah. yell at you. I can yell what I think and then have no accountability. It's glorious. So, you know, I hear this in you, this drive to be up on stage, to speak, to perform, but we're in a weird state in our economy where, I don't know, the rug's going to get pulled out at any given time. At least right. we feel that way here in America. Many yeah. of us do. And the thing that has been so special about this bubble is that it's pulled a lot of people forward and we've all become performers and artists and creators but eventually it's going to end. So what are you doing to make sure that you're ahead of it? Or do you not worry about it? Are you so secure that it's no big deal? Yeah. I, 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 I figure do, it out. Yeah. And that's the thing is for me, like I don't have this endless drive. If that makes sense. I don't have an endless drive for growth. Um, I'm not that guy. That's like, we do, we're at this point and let's keep driving. Let's keep looking at all these things and, create new silos in our company. We can do the training stuff now. I can franchise the unmarketing name. I can do that. It's not what I, I want to do. And I just know that where I'm at now in business, if we took a 50% hit, we're still fine. And like, I, you know, I don't. Wait, are you fine because you now have a life partner who can also manage your finances a little differently? Is that part of what's going on here? That's part, I serve part of it, but it's also yeah. that it's doing so well that I'm at a point in the career that 
Um, uh, I'm not naive enough to think that the, a recession type thing can't happen again, but I yeah. also know that um, certain things and certain conferences will always go and that they were going in 2008, 2007, 2009. And you know, I, we pull in a million dollars a year, keynote speaking. I, I don't know how much more I need. Yeah. You know, and if we made a half million a year, I'd still be laughing and smiling. And right. I have no want to do other. I don't have a want to do more. And I'm living my dream. I'm living my dream from when I was 12 years old. And I'm yeah. home when I'm home. The kids get home from school. Like right here, I'm, I'm sitting in our I'm sitting in our front library of the house we bought because of what we built. And this is coming from somebody flying around on a prepaid credit card in 2010 to try to make a book tour stop to now. And I, uh, to be living a dream is one thing to realize you're in it is another. And that to me is bliss. And I love this. People are like, well, you're on the road. You do 60, 70 keynotes a year. And I might be on the road 150 days a year, but I'm home for 200 days of the year. And I'm home. I'm not working. I'm not consulting. I'm home all summer. Like it's glorious. And I don't have that want to build more that would get in the way of that. I love it. You fixed work and your origin story is such a good lesson for people about taking a risk and not being afraid to burn it down to build it all back up. And when we come back from a break, we're going to get lessons and tips and takeaways for our listeners. How does that sound, Scott? Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, are you ready to podcast like a pro? Then you need a secret weapon, someone who can make it easy, where all you have to do is show up and be the host. At One Stone Creative, that's what we do. Everything. Yeah, everything. Imagine, every time you sit down to record, you know what your topic is. You want a script? We can do that too. Then you record it, drop it in a folder, and that's it. Our team will take it from there. Production, show notes, uploads, blog posts, social media assets, swipe copy, like I said, everything. Book a call with the podcast strategist today. Just go to onestonecreative.net slash podcast. That's onestonecreative.net slash podcast. And we'll take it from there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Let's Fix Work podcast. I'm Lori Rudiman with my guest, Scott Stratton. And for those of you who don't know me and don't know my history, I have never met Scott Stratton or had a conversation with him in real life. So, Scott, thanks so much for taking a risk and trusting that I'm not some idiot or some moron who's just wasting your time. That's oh, we've question. done our research. Don't worry. Only <laughs> one idiot on this on this interview, and that would be me. Well, thank you. You're kind to say that. So, you know, there are people who are listening who dream of just killing their career and starting over, and maybe they don't want to be a keynote speaker. Maybe they want to open up a frozen yogurt store or a cupcake shop. So what advice do you have for people who are stuck at work, and what's one way that they can start to gain momentum without lighting a match? Right. I I think one of the things is um, sometimes what you think is the answer may not be the answer as well. Um, I, I, I do, I am all the power to people who want to just burn it down and then go open that frozen yogurt stand. As long as you don't call it Froyo, uh, you know, that, that'll be good. But is that your I, professional marketing advice, right? It there? is uh, 100%. We put yeah. it in books. <laughs> Please don't use it. Uh, so it may all, it, it's what is creating the frustration. What are you not getting fulfillment because of, because sometimes it's not the fact of working or burning it down. It sometimes is there's another issue. And I want people to understand that sometimes it could be issues at home. It could be issues with a certain team member or boss. 
Um, but uh, burning it down, which I did, and I would do again in a heartbeat, is also very permanent. And so you want to make sure that well, what I'm if I'm not if I'm not doing my calling, then I need to go do it. Okay, but I would not advise any responsible human or adult to do it with sixty four cents in the bank. That was dumb. That was irresponsible of me. But it also made me have no safety net. It made me work my ass off yeah. to you know get to where I needed to go. So sometimes, like I, what I did though, before I burnt it down, I was already building the company. Yeah. I had, the, as we call it now, the side hustle, right? I was already building it. And that was, so when I did leave, I had immediately an a, a, a entirely full business coaching slash consulting game going because I had built the, the, the following already. Yeah. So when I left, I had, a, I had a, because the hardest thing to do to me is building momentum, is building that platform up. That's what takes the time. And if you can build that starting before you take the leap, you're writing a blog, you're creating a social media presence, whatever that's going to be. Then when you do leap, there's already people standing there to catch you versus leaping and then saying, okay, because then you're rushed, then you're panicked and, and you can't build community in a panic. You can't build it in a rush. And that's because I, I don't, I don't think doing your own thing is for everybody. I don't no, think, I don't think so either. I don't think being an entrepreneur is for everybody. I think people like the idea of it somewhat because they don't like their boss. But being your own boss isn't a treat either. And I, I, that old great line, which is entrepreneurs are the only people who would work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 for somebody else, right? It's just <laughs> it's a great quote. That, yeah. That's what it means. And that's, that's I, I, I joke that I don't work. And Allison gets mad at me for saying that. And she's like, you don't, you never stop. Yeah. And my brain never stops doing stuff right. and never stops reading and consuming and creating, but it's not work for me. And that's, that's the, really the skill is, is, and, and the dream, right? Find something you're so passionate about, you do it for free and then you'd make money doing it. So is that the dream? Because I was a writer as a hobby while I was working in human resources. I was secretly blogging while working at Pfizer right. and I turned my hobby into my career and now I'm fucking tired. <laughs> you know? But there's the danger. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you're you passionate about it because hobby. you're passionate. And so we're, we have that right now with our two oldest kids. We have five kids combined together with Alice and I. We had a merger a few years ago. It was more of a, more of a hostile takeover. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we let it, yeah, we let a few kids go due to yeah, redundancies. Course, but right. um, the danger here. So both our two oldest um, are both into music producing. The, they don't stop. They're just, uh, so our own, our 16 year old upstairs, uh, just gets home from school, makes music every day. It's the past year. I mean, he's made 200 songs. Like he just wow. doesn't stop. And Aiden, our oldest is at college right now for music industry arts. This is what he wants to go into. And I was sure. talking to Owen, the younger one. And I said, you love it now. And I fully support it. My background I'm, is from the music industry too. So I, I'm proud of it and I love it. But I said, understand the passion or a hobby once it turns into a business can feel different. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you're making a song and you're selling a beat to somebody once in a month and you got a hundred bucks. You're like, nice. And I'm like, and that's great. But when you got to pay rent and you got to do stuff that you don't want to do to make that money, yeah. it sometimes can hurt the passion. That's right. That's right. And it removes the passion from the equation. And then you're like, I used to like this. Have you, you know, given him any advice on how to find some balance with that? Is there any advice? Well, the, part of it is just g giving the advice that a parent gives that doesn't get listened to. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that's just how the game is. Um, yeah. But the other part of it is also introducing them to people in the field already to give the same advice that they'll actually listen to. It's like me going to do a keynote somewhere and I'll, I'll just parrot what one of the VPs said and everybody's like, yes. And the VPs like, what? I've been saying that for a year. Well, you learned how to do that from consulting. I think there's some of that too. Exactly. You know, you leave the company, come back as a consultant. Now they're listening to you, you know, and you pay you more. And that's That's where, so I always told him about, you know, it's hard for me to tell anybody anything because I quit. You know, it's with, with any, when he was born, I had yeah. seen 60 cents. And so it's just like, the moral you know, authority isn't there. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm not, I don't have that high ground to come down from. I don't have the GPA or the transcript from oh, college yeah. to say, you need to do this. I am a bad example. But what I said to him is sometimes your passion doesn't have to be the full-time job. Sometimes your passion is always going to be your side gig. Sometimes your passion is no longer passionate about it. And, some, and that's okay. And our job as your parents is to try to get you into a school after high school that allows you to then still have avenues and opportunities and not make that sound like me saying there's no future in this. <laughs> that's right. Or there's no money in music because there isn't. But the, but the point is there's also no money in speaking. Yeah, there's no money anywhere, right? I mean, Right, right. It's just not sitting there and, oh, I'll just take that money. It's just, no. it, it rewards those who work. And if you have the, you, the self-drive has to be the thing that keeps pushing it. And so if I can get him to the point where I'm trying to get him to go into business in general first at college mm-hmm. and then go into the specialized music industry program, because, it, because until he can be self-sustaining, you're going to have to work for somebody else. And that means you might be getting coffee or this, but if you have on your resume, it says, I have a marketing degree. Or diploma, you are more valuable to that music label that you want to have your own one day. Uh, and same as me, I never wanted to be working for somebody, but I went to do it because I had to make money to to, to keep living. And then my my lifespan was just a lot shorter. <laughs> oh my god, though, Scott, you sound like such a dad. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, weird, right? Yeah, it's, it uh, really. It's it's awesome, and it's I bet an interesting perspective to have because you can probably think back on your own parental experiences yeah. and remember rolling your eyes, right? Yeah, and I, and I my mom is also great at the fact that she she just let me be Scott, and that was and and, and Allison even exponentially is even great at that as well, where she treats the kids as individuals and lets them be themselves. And I'm, I wasn't good at that as a parent. You know, my job as a parent was, I say this yeah, and you just do it because I said so. And after meeting Allison and us moving in and getting married and, you know, blending the families, it's just like, I've learned, I've learned that one of the best tools you can help, you can guide your children, but just let them be them. And I remember my mom telling stories of me just walking by puddles and just stopping and sitting down and just kind of playing with a puddle. And then my brother would get furious at soccer games because I'd be just pulling grass up instead of playing. And he was intense about it. And, and she just tells people, she's like, that's a Scott being Scott. I love it. That's and really and that's, that's, and today I'm still Scott being Scott. Well, super inspiring, Scott. And thank you for being my very first guest on the Let's Fix Work podcast. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you as if they don't know? Yeah, that's right. If you can't find me, you're not looking hard enough. Um, It's unmarketing kind of everything. So just you look that up on all the platforms. And and the Unpodcast is what uh, the show, the business show for the Fed Up that Alice and I do uh, every week together. Yeah. Are you going anywhere fun this year? Taking a big vacation? Let's talk about something just to wrap it up. That's not work related. Tomorrow we head to Disney and we're going on our fifth annual Disney cruise tomorrow. 
Amazing. I'm I hope so you don't do out. any work. No work. Zero. Perfect. Phones go into the safe, ship and barks, and that's it. Oh, man, that's the way to fix work by not doing any at all. Yep. All right, dude. Well, thanks so much for your time today. And everybody, go find Scott Stratton at unmarketing.com. Scott, thanks again. Oh, thank you. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Scott Stratton just as much as I did. God, that guy is interesting and laid back and cool. You can hear it in his voice. He's got command of that conversation. And while it's true that he's done over 300 podcast episodes of his own, and he's a professional keynote speaker, and I'm very, very new at this, you can definitely hear expertise, gravitas, leadership in his voice. And as I was listening to him, I was thinking about how many of you at work step over yourselves like I did on that podcast. You say too many words. You speak too quickly. You're real eager to get in on a conversation. Scott is not like that. He's not leaning in. He's saying what he needs to say, and he's sitting back in his chair. If you could mimic anybody in terms of your communication style, go mimic Scott Stratton. He's amazing. So I'd like to thank Scott for his time today. You can follow him everywhere by following the moniker Unmarketing. And I'd like to thank Megan and Audra on my production crew. And thank you for your time. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by subscribing to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review. 